everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Southern Fried E-Commerce Podcast. My name is Eric Young. I am the CEO and creative director of EY Studios. I'm joined here by the uh, lovely and talented Emily Faulkner. Emily, how's it going? Oh, it is going wonderful, Eric. So you're the, uh, what are we calling you here? The executive producer, the podcast producer? What, what are you? Podcast overlord, if you will. Oh, right, I'm sorry. <laughs> Podcast overlord and the person laughing uh, behind the scenes here. I like the kind of sinister laugh, Phil. Can you do that again? Can you? <laughs> he's that's, that's Phil Greer. He's he's a menacing presence here at EY Studios, and we're glad to have you here, Phil. So what what are you? You're the you're Mister Solutions guy. What what is your title here? Yeah, you know, it kind of bounces back and forth between solutions consultant and solutions engineer. I feel like right. I, I like I like the engineer moniker a little more when I'm trying yeah. to put on my technical hat. Right. The consultant, the consultant title is better for when I'm I'm trying to be a little less technical. Kind of depends on the audience, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what do people respond to the most? Are they more impressed? Oh, he's an engineer, or hey, I'm glad I'm talking to a consultant. What What do you see people respond to the most? Honestly, I think I think it really depends on the person. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there there are some people who are very. I mean, we talk to a wide a variety of uh, clients with different. Um, you know, skills and experience and backgrounds, you know, some of them are much more technical and some of them are, you know, like CEOs that, um, you know, have a really good idea of how the business runs overall, but um, they don't really get in the weeds on the technical stuff. So yeah, I kind of, I kind of bounce back and forth depending on the audience, but realistically it's kind of a hybrid. I like engineer because it sounds like you have a really cool uniform that you wear exactly. when you're kind of engineering things exactly. for us. We yeah, it sounds like I've got at least at least one degree, right? <laughs> <laughs> we have to send Phil the uh, the engineer outfit, Emily. I keep making a note to do that. I'll put it on my list. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in Oregon, Phil? Anything newsworthy in Oregon up there? Uh, well, it's not 115 degrees anymore, so that's okay. nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, 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 you know, I moved up here from Southern California specifically to avoid that kind of weather. So I'm not, I'm not super pleased that it followed me. Right. You know, you, you heard about the, what were they saying? The, the murder hornets last week, uh, last year rather. So now there is, have you heard of army worms, Emily? Uh, army worms. Army worms. Yeah. I, I literally just got off the phone with my exterminator because I have an army worm problem. Here at my house, they're just, do they have little hats or <laughs> they have uniforms of their own? They're <laughs> organized army uh, here, but uh, yeah, they're destroying my lawn. At this point, I would welcome murder hornets at least to give them some competition. But uh, <laughs> yeah. you could film that and go viral. Yeah, so I don't know. If, I've never heard of of army worms, but the, they are. Yeah, that's a new one on me too. They're a serious threat, and uh, my my lawn is. Uh, it's pretty tough because of it. My wife said, you know, there's absolute carnage out here. And so, <laughs> so the, the, right now, right now, the uh, the war is with ants versus the worms. So that is the current conflict happening. So I have uh, I don't know who's going to win, uh, but we're setting bets and army worms look like they're carrying the distinctive image. <laughs> um, we got that going on and. Uh, what else is going on? So yeah, I, I met uh, James Stylin from Stylin Online. He came into Atlanta last night. Emily, thank you for making reservations for us at a nice 
steak place in Atlanta. That was very interesting. Of course. I always love looking at food during my work time. Yeah, James, of course, I appreciated eating that without you, Emily. I'm sorry I had to do that. <laughs> uh, you, you know, my wife gave me, by the way, Emily, she gave me one of those things where it's, she goes, you don't have to bring me anything back. It's fine. I'll just... I'll just eat a sandwich here with you. Uh oh. So. <laughs> that was you, a test. Did you pass the test? You absolutely should have brought something back. Please, <laughs> please tell me that you brought something back for her. No, it was it was completely evil. I mean, what she did, it was just like. Uh, now, now, listen, Eric. You go and have a good time with James. Go down and and you just enjoy your steak. Henry and I are fine. We've got some lunch meat here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And so, uh, so yes, I, I was not an idiot. I did bring her back steak, and, and she, <laughs> she loves Emily. She loves Brussels sprouts. Uh, really? Yeah. Are you a Brussels sprouts fan? I am. It's now time for fall, so a little maple syrup and a nice roasted Brussels sprout. Ooh boy! Uh, okay. Here I come. Well, you and I are very different. I cannot stand Brussels. It's the smell is the main thing. Like if you've ever put Brussels sprouts to go in your car, your car will smell horrible prior <laughs> to that trip. And so I, I triple bagged the Brussels sprouts. I see now. So it, 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 it I just got in my truck detail because my kid trashes it with, it's just Chick-fil-A crumbs everywhere and that kind of stuff. So I, I just got in my truck detailed and I was intent not to have it smell like Brussels sprouts. So I was successful. It doesn't stink anymore. Um, at least it doesn't smell like Brussels sprouts. But uh, yeah, are you a Brussels sprouts fan, Phil? Do they eat those in Oregon? Okay, so uh, it's all about the preparation. Right. Uh, when, when I was when I was a kid, I I cooked a lot of the the meals for my family, and uh, yeah, I, I was a kid, so I didn't know what I was doing. So I would typically throw them in the in the microwave for three minutes, covered with plastic wrap Ooh. with a little water, Ooh. just steaming them, which is Ooh. I think the absolute worst way that you could possibly oh. make Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. So I hated them as a child, um, and then I recently went to a really fancy restaurant, and I think I paid like you know eight or nine dollars for a small plate of Brussels sprouts. And those were amazing. So it's all in the preparation. Right. Now, are, are you on the point system with your wife, Phil? Like you do something, you gain 10,000 husband points. Do you, do you guys do that? Is it spoken or unspoken? I guess you could classify me as an unpaid caregiver. So <laughs> it, I, it sort of goes without saying that I've got kind of an unlimited stash of points. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe you could float me some because I'm, I'm in a point deficit right now because so he went for the steak man I, I've got that steak I mean I, I'm, I'm starting to get at least a zero right um, I'm so far below that and, and I, I don't know if I've told you why Phil but I, I had an incident with her car I don't know if I've told you this oh no I haven't heard this it, it's Emily knows what I'm talking about it is yeah. it is it's terrible I mean it's sitcom worthy uh, you know, I mean, when you hear this, we should cue a laugh track on this podcast, Emily. What do you think? I'll, I'll just laugh. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, give me some fake laughter. But uh, <laughs> it, it, this is a this is a story. So, uh, as you know, we're getting a lot of rain right now in the South, right, Emily? It's just tons and tons of rain. It's just it'll never stop. It right. really will. <laughs> the, the, the rain stops, and the army worms come in. You know, with that. But uh, so we're getting a lot of rain. And we, in our household, we drive Fords and Lincolns. That's just kind of our thing. Well, Lincolns can leak 
I've driven a Navigator, and she uh, her car was a MKS. And so these things just leak, and we get water in the door. And then the latest thing was the water would drop into the passenger side. So I go and I look in, and there's water all over the carpet into this thing. And so, Phil, I, to me, this next action is common sense. Okay, it, it, the rain's coming. You think, all right, well, let's get this car out of the rain. Let's not make this situation any worse. Let's pull it into the the garage. Let's dry up the water best we can. Pull this thing into the garage. That's pretty sensible, right, Phil? What do you think? Very practical. I, definitely, I think, definitely what I would have done. I, okay, I think so. But it turns out that was the dumbest thing I could have ever done, Phil, because uh, it rains and rains for about four or five days straight. So I go to check on the car, and uh, and I want to take it up to this uh, to get it fixed, right, with the leak. Phil, have you ever seen Stranger Things, the upside-down world? <laughs> yes. Right? So, everything's just covered in moss and right. dark. And, yeah. Exactly. So I open the car door, and it's the upside-down within <laughs> this, because what has happened is the moisture that was in there from the – I tried to dry as best as I could – it met heat, and heat and moisture, Phil, is not good. I've heard that. Yes, and so moss or, or mold, rather, it's probably moss too, but mold was all over this car. There's just a whole ecosystem happening. <laughs> Your own science experiment. Yes, right. And so I looked in there, and I, I, I promise, guys, I, I don't think I moved for about two minutes. I just stared at this. <laughs> It's this mess, you know. I would I would have thrown that thing in neutral, backed it down the driveway, just poured it full of gasoline, lit a match, and just get out of here, Demi Gorgon. Get out of here. Exactly. And so I dreaded telling my wife about this uh, this, <laughs> this experiment. I mean, what do you say, right? Your your car is a monster. Um, but uh, she was actually Phil. She was very calm. Uh, she came and looked at it, and uh, she she didn't stare at it for very long. She just looked at it and then looked at me and and calmly said, "Great, uh, when are you buying me a new car?" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I I that's my thing now. So right now I'm having to buy a car, and it's the worst right now, guys. You know about what's going on with the uh, the the chip shortages and all this stuff. You heard about this? Yeah, it's the reason I can't find a PS5 over a year after yeah. it was launched. So microchips. Yeah, yeah, silicon. So I was telling, yeah, I was telling Emily about this earlier. I said, you know, there's there's a chip shortage, and she, I think, she thought chips ahoy, Pringles. You know, <laughs> I was like, like the food chips, or like what's going on? <laughs> we got a major problem. We we can't uh, we can't find any Pringles here. It's a it's a crisis at Frito Lay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there is a microchip problem it's affecting a lot of industries right phil uh it is you can't find a ps5 unless you you go on ebay like i did and pay a scalper a lot of money um but uh yeah this is a chip shortage. so you there's no cars on the lots there's nothing there and, oh i didn't know about that yeah and so basically i mean they have a few but basically what the what all these dealerships are telling me is to buy a car the new normal if you will for the next 18 months is to special order a car and you're paying full price. You're, you're, you've got MSRP. You can't haggle with these guys because anything that these cars, any cars that they get, they're going to sell. 
Right. It's a seller's market. Right. It's absolute seller's market. And, uh, and so I, I so I uh, trying to buy another Lincoln. Uh, Gina's looking at a, I think it's called an Aviator. So I read the reviews, and sure enough, what are people saying about the Aviators? It leaks. They leak. They leak. So I, oh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not spending any money on it. <laughs> I'm not going through this again. So uh, there we go. Yeah, you're, you're you're looking. What I want, you just go to, go to the lot and say what I want in a car is something with I don't know seals that work. <laughs> exactly. So what's your big thing in a car, Emily? Mine is obviously leg room. I'm 6'4". I like a good sound system. What do you look for in a car? I look for something that gets me from point A to point B. Gets you where you're not. What about you, Phil? Yeah, I'm. I you know I have always been practical. Uh, my first car was a uh, was from my parents, a station wagon, giant steel Buick. Right. You know, the one with the way back the that faces forward. backwards. Right. Uh, and you know Honda Civic, um, you know I I, I did a, a a Nissan Cube for a while, and finally here in my 40s, you know I kind of uh, I don't know call it midlife crisis if you want, but went in on a Dodge Challenger a couple years ago, um, and it's pretty amazing, you know the interactions that you have with people in what you would classify as a cool car, you know like you go through a drive-through or pick up some Starbucks or something, and driving through there in my Nissan Cube, like you know it. It's whatever, you know, nobody ever talks about it. But every single time I go a drive through a drive through on my Challenger, people are always like, Oh, I love the color. Oh, is that the Hellcat? <laughs> like it, all of a sudden I have all these friends because I have a cool car for once, you know? Exactly. So Emily, you know, Phil's just talking about being middle-aged, I, of course, and middle-aged <laughs> as well. And I, I don't know if this is the reason why, but I can't bring myself to go to Dragon Con. For those that don't know, Dragon Con is the big nerd convention here in Atlanta. It's happening this weekend at the time of recording. That's why James from Style Online is here. He's got a big tower of T-shirts, selling T-shirts to the nerds. And so um, the conventions are back. He was telling me that, you know, of course, they went away because of COVID and that sort of thing. But uh, they've come back. He's making a lot of money selling those T-shirts, selling his mystery boxes at conventions, but anyway, I can't bring myself to go to this con. I don't. I don't know if it's just I'm just too old for this crap, or or what. But uh, maybe it's the big surge of e-commerce. I know. I the lately, I've been trying to go to stores, buy things. I am a big fan of instant gratification. Yeah. Everywhere I go, I can't find what I'm looking for. They don't sell it. They're out of it. It got purchased what have you. And so honestly, personally, I'm, everything's online for me now. And it just feels like going there to meet people and buy a tower of t-shirts just seems like such a hassle for me personally. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel like Dragon Con would be a fun thing to go to. Like if you had a bunch of friends and you were all dressing up and really getting into the spirit of it. But, um, yeah, I I, I I have a I have a hard time justifying the uh, the energy to you know travel to a convention unless it's really compelling. I know um, I, I you know kind of going back to e-commerce for for a bit. I think we uh, had heard from a number of, uh, of people, and I was seeing on on LinkedIn and such that. Uh, IRCE Retail X this year was a little bit of a of a ghost town. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was that was interesting. Um, I, I don't know if that's you know mainly because of concerns over, uh, you know, outstanding concerns over COVID or you know the appeal of the show itself. Um, but 
uh, you know, you and I had gone to Retail X uh, IRCE for many, many years. Oh, yeah. Um, so we, I know we, we probably have a whole show just talking about conventions and how to get the most out of, uh, out of attending them. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I think conventions will be interesting to watch going forward. Um, it, yeah, it, it just we're so decentralized now. It's 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 hard to get everybody together. Um, you know, even if it's an annual event. Uh, it's it's just hard to justify the travel and the expense as a business um, unless you you know have very clear goals <laughs> in advance you know yeah it's it's a good point and I'm seeing people I know you're seeing this a lot of our partners they just can't wait for these cons to come back um, because that's what they're used to that's how they get mm-hmm. the word out and I just think oh, yeah. you, you have to adapt to what people want to do right now you know we've got a Gathering here, what, next week, right, with uh, some partners and merchants uh, here. But it's, it's more of a smaller gathering, right, Emily? I think that's kind of the appeal. What do you think? No, absolutely. I, I think closed spaces where only, like, a select few people are there so we can have more intimate conversations, right. I think, is kind of more the move as of right now. And honestly, just, like, for personal things, that's what I've been doing for at least the past, gosh, Two years? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's about what you're trying to get out of it. You know, if you're if you're wanting to go to a convention to have a party, and that's the goal, then great. If you're going to a convention to sell, obviously your goals are um, significantly different. So the the audience has to be there. You have to be ready to sell. Um, you know, ready to capture leads and stuff. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think that whole industry is in the middle of kind of a renaissance right now. Yeah. It has yet to shake out. No, I think so too, and I think that they're. Like I said, you just kind of have to adapt. But there are some things that COVID has done for us that I'm actually thankful for. You know, a lot of people uh, are uh, resentful for how it's changing the landscape. But one of these things are movie theaters. And like, I don't like going to the movie theaters. I really like the fact that more movies are being released day and date uh, right now. Uh, do you like that, Emily? Or do you yeah. wish it was back to the norm by flooding theaters? I, I miss theaters, to you be do. quite honest. Okay. With you. I, I, I think I am grateful that my best friend built a movie theater in his basement. Yeah. So I, I kind of get that experience anyway. Right. But as someone that uh, you know studied a little film in college, mm-hmm. I am very passionate about the theater and the experience that you can have with a group, especially if you want to like get a little nerdy and talk about like the Avengers and like how Endgame felt being with other people. There is this kind of specialness that comes from it. I know a few months ago I got free tickets to go see a movie premiere. um, And it was so nice being in the theater for the first time again with people and just feeling like you had this kind of communal experience. The good news about that again was it was a small intimate group of people but it wasn't those like super packed ones, like when you're just kind of elbow to elbow with some kind of coffee person next to you. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? I mean, if, if you want to have a communal experience with cool people, I'm down with that. You know, it's like if you've got respectful people uh, there, but if you've got some jerk talking through the movie, the whole I don't want to hear anything about the movie experience when you've got, <laughs> you've got some jerk behind you talking the whole time and and yeah. burping and throwing popcorn and whatever else. It's like, I, that's not a good experience. <laughs> yeah. 
if there are kids screaming, uh, you know, let them be my kids in my living room, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So what about you, Phil? Uh, you know, I, I, I like the diversification that's happened because of movies, things, right. you know, you were getting more, more options, you know, like the, the service is changing. So um, it's difficult for, for movie theaters, obviously. Right. Um, but, you know, having so many options to go direct to streaming um, so you don't necessarily have to leave uh, your house. I'm a big fan of not leaving my house. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just like you, you know, I kind of have a, a home theater set up. Um, so there are some movies that like, you know, IMAX um, experiences that I, I want to have in a movie theater. Um, but those are few and far between. Frankly, most most movies actually work better for me, uh, you know, on my uh, on my on my beanbag chair in my living room. <laughs> hey, yeah, I love you have a beanbag yeah. chair. Yeah, Phil, did you I, get, did you get the uh, vibration machine for your beanbag chair that I told not, you about? Not yet, but like I guess little mini mini plug for uh, for for a company called Love Sack. Yeah, uh, they sell what they call the big one, uh, which is a thousand dollars. Bought it three or four years ago, but it is a giant, and I mean giant. It like seats four people. A uh, giant beanbag, um, and it's wow. amazing because you can you can fluff it up and you know you can use it to sit up or you know it reclines nicely. Like you wouldn't think that this thing would be comfortable, but I can't tell you how many movies I've intended to watch and woken up at the end of. <laughs> so you've got a four seater in your living room. This this love yes, room. right in front of our our large TV. Yes, what they call Love Sack XL? What is what is Love Sack? Yeah, Love, love Sack. It's it's it, they call it the big one. The big one. Right. Yeah, it's very it's very nice. You, you got to get the Vibro shot therapy deal. It's just I do, I do. Um, gotta gotta look at that Atmos surround sound first, oh, yeah. though. I think I, I gotta uh, upgrade the sound. So, yeah. Emily, are you familiar with these terms, Vibro shock and Atmos and all the? No, my best friend has Atmos. That's why I sit in his basement. But is, it, <laughs> is it true Atmos? Is it down firing? Is it in the ceiling? Or is it is it firing up? I don't know where it comes from. I sit on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, the Eric, the audiophile has oh, yeah. been engaged. Yes. <laughs> so, so Phil, you know this. We have a prospect right now, Emily, that sells all the stuff. It sell, he sells all the the uh, the equipment for home theaters, and I want this site so bad. You know, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> I know every single one of his products, and so Supro works here. Has Supro been on the podcast? Super has not been on the podcast. We need to rectify that. Yeah, we got to get Super on here. But uh, anyway, they've got cool stuff. Hopefully, we'll land that site. But anyway, Emily, there's this there's this thing uh, that you attach it to the receiver, so all the speakers go to the receiver, mm-hmm. and you plug it in. It's kind of a um, middleware to your subs, right? That have the bass. So anytime there's a bass response, this gizmo shakes the seat. So like when there's an explosion, oh. or, like it, it shakes the seat. Just imagine Phil shaking around oh, yeah. in his know. I think I so, think the first thing I would watch with that would be Pacific Rim. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Phil and I have a running joke, Emily, about the uh Pacific Rim soundtrack. The theme song. Just, yeah. Yeah. This, I've never seen it. 
Oh, oh so good. Don't watch the second one, but the first one. Was I've great. never seen the second one, but it's, it's, how's it go for, you know, man, it's like you watch that movie and it's like you're brushing your teeth, you're walking the dog with that theme song in your head. <laughs> so 23 minutes in, let's do a, a very smooth segue to, uh, to e-com. I wanted to talk about uh, Core Web Vitals. All right. Yeah. So we're getting this question a lot uh, from merchants. They want to know exactly how it impacts them as a merchant. What What do you think? What What is it overall? Yeah. So um, Core Web Vitals is really Google trying to establish a set of parameters that every website on the internet can follow that are like good um, being a good netizen, you know, um, like how do you uh, present a website to people um, that they'll like engaging with? It really comes down to the user experience, right? Um, and, there, you know, websites vary so much um, in terms of their goals and their layout, their architecture, um, that it's important to have kind of a, a base. Okay, here, if I'm going to a website on the internet, what are some basic things that I can expect in terms of, like, what's a good user experience? Um, so the core web vitals today are essentially three, there's three aspects to them. Um, and I imagine those will probably grow over time as Google sort of figures out um, additional metrics they can measure by um uh and and you know it, it can get a little dry but like I'll, I'll keep it i'll keep it interesting um it really comes down to the user experience mm -hmm. like if i hit your site and it takes a really long time for the largest part of that that page to show up like if you're going to a, a product page and it takes a really long time for the large product image to show up or i'm going you know if i if you were going to a recipe uh you know page on, on a website and the recipe took a really long time to load like that wouldn't be a good experience that's what you're there to see um so that's what Core Web Vitals calls largest contentful paint, which is basically like the amount of time it takes to render the largest con the largest piece of of content on the on the site. Um, and uh, a lot of these you know these metrics at Core Web Vitals are really just oriented around decreasing bounce rates because people people leave I mean, they'll they'll jump off a website if it takes more than you know what I, I think it's one to three seconds uh, the bounce rate increases by like 30 percent if um, that takes six seconds instead of three seconds your bounce rate goes up to over a hundred percent 106 percent it increases by so people don't have patience for slow loading websites and neither do I I mean it, in your own experience right you'll you'll jump right off of off a site that's not loading right because you're like well either my my internet's bad so I need to go check that or this site is super slow <laughs> right right um and, uh, the other really big piece of the you know the big three that are in core mm -hmm. web vitals right now is the what, what they call cumulative layout shift right. um, and that's really like how much are things moving around on the page how much visual stability does your page have and I see a lot of um, 
you know, websites out there with third-party add-ons that are popping content into the site. You know, we see this a lot with <laughs> how much do you love those uh, the, the the email capture pop-ups and the you know save five percent by putting this code in. Love um, those. <laughs> you're just trying to browse the site, right? Um, I just want to see the product that I came here to look at or read the content I'm here to see, and I get it. You know, these these sites are businesses and they have their own goals. But, you know, now your goals are at odds with my goals as a visitor and we have some conflict. Um, so the visual stability, the layout shift, um, I've noticed in my in my testing that uh, Google especially seems to not like it when you move calls to action around like add to cart buttons and stuff. Um, if there's a if there's an interactive element on the page like a like an add to cart button and that all is all of a sudden moving you know hundreds of pixels down because of something that pops in, um, Google really seems to not like that because people don't like that. Yeah, it's just kind of mirroring the it's trying to mirror the experience that an actual person has and making it better. Right. Well, and to speak to that, you know, actual, in terms of actual people, um, the, the other cool thing about web vitals, as opposed to other, you know, measuring tools like, uh, Google page speed or, or lighthouse, et cetera, is the core web vitals report in the search console and Google search console. Um, it actually, uh, is based on real world data. It's actually you know, pulling that experience from people who are using Chrome, visiting the site, using, you know, real uh, data. So we know that, you know, page speed tests do things like, you know, emulate super slow potato phones um, with bad connections right. and like intentionally drop packets to simulate, you know, what, what, how does this website work if I'm connecting from the International Space Station? Um, but the real experience of your actual visitors, I think, is um, much more important. So that's one of the reasons I like the approach that they're taking. Um, the, the last of the three core web vitals is, you know, kind of less important um, in terms of how often I see problems with it. But that's the what's called first input delay. You know, it's the interactivity when you click or tap into, you know, let's say a search box mm -hmm. on a website. Mm -hmm. How long does it take before the keyboard pops up or I can start typing into that box? Um, it's pretty un unlikely that. Uh, you know, an e-com site's going to take a really long time on that. Um, but there are things that can cause it to take longer um, if you have a lot of custom code and stuff. Um, but those are the big three, right? Loading, how long does it take to load? Interactivity, can I interact with it quickly? And how visually stable is it? How much are things moving around on the page? And I feel like those are that's a good kind of set of core um, measurements that kind of apply to every website, e-commerce or not. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, how Google thinks about uh, adding some more of these kind of metrics going forward. What are some things, Emily, that 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 annoy the the heck out of you? Um, I know that you you do a fair amount of online shopping, like you said. Um, are, are, is there anything that you think Core Web Vitals should take into account? No, I honestly, like you said, I think it's such a good set of metrics, like kind of what we were just talking about like earlier, just in our nice little chit chat is like things are just constantly changing all the time. And I know like the way that I shop has been evolving as well. So I love the fact that Google's constantly taking into account all of these new things to really help make sure that websites are keeping up with that. Something that drives me crazy 
is, and like, it's like you said, it's just slow. Uh, I am lately, I, I didn't realize how much I'm into instant gratification until I realized I couldn't have it anymore. <laughs> it's like, I want to go to a store. I want to buy the thing that I want and I want to move on and go like have the thing and go do what I wanted with it. Mm -hmm. So like going onto a website and I'm like, why is it loading slow? Is it my internet? So then you turn the internet off and on. You're like, okay, I've wasted more time to really just buy this thing that maybe I didn't actually want. Now, now I'm regretting maybe making this purchase. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, the other, the other aspect of this is, uh, the reason why we care, right? And I think th- th- this is this is really at the at the at the at the the juicy center of this conversation. At the core, if you will. I was trying to avoid. <laughs> I was trying to avoid that play on words. Uh, <laughs> but at the at, at the at the at the core of Core Web Vitals, um, it, it really why we care is that Google's got a bit of a monopoly in the search space, right? And you don't want to do anything to um, jeopardize your your rankings um, or your visibility in organic search. And a lot of people are worried that you know if my score isn't perfect on these metrics, that you know I'm going to get less less. Uh, organic traffic, right? And it, which has a direct implication for revenue. So, I mean, the reason we care about, you know, all these things that Google com- comes up with is because of that direct implication to your to your bottom line. Um, that having been said, uh, there are over 200 um, beacons, you know, uh, things that Google takes into account when they, when they do ranking. You know, the Core Web Vitals might be a, a, a new shiny, um, you know, thing that is of interest right now. But really, what it's trying to address is just provide your visitors with a good user experience, you know. Um, and I think that that should be the goal, regardless. You know, if you go if you go on your site on a mobile device um, and browse around, and you have a good experience, and there's nothing obviously popping out, you know, things aren't taking a really long time. Things aren't moving around on the page a bunch. It feels responsive. It feels good to use. You're probably fine on all these core web vitals. I think, um, uh, the, the the report that's in Search Console around these pieces is really just to give you the heads up if you have a specific page that's a problem that you might want to take a look at, um, you know, that might not be in your normal conversion funnel, uh, if that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense, Phil. And, and I know you've talked to merchants that, like you said, that they were kind of concerned that, oh my gosh, this score could really affect me. How did you put them at ease? Did you, did you just kind of walk through exactly how this meant to them and, and the, what their store or what, what did you see there? Yeah. I mean, anytime Google has an algorithm change um, or, it, you know, usually it's, it's almost always reactive when I'm working with, with merchants, it's, you know, I saw this, um, you know, this metric dropped or I got this email from Google saying there was a, you know, coverage issue or, um, you know, it's it, like I said, it's usually reactive to one of these, um, you know, pieces of feedback that Google gives. And I would say it's very easy to be overreactive to those. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you crack open uh, in Google Chrome, you know, the developer tools. You can go to the console tab there and see all the problems that, you know, Chrome is finding on your web page. Nice. 98% of those are, you know, informational messages, right? You can really get yourself worked up um, about, about 
problems that if you were to solve wouldn't be really impacting. So, um, but nevertheless, there are also very important, um, you know, actions that you need to take based on some of that feedback. So I think that discernment is the key. And I think that's, that's one of the values that, you know, not to, (laughs) not to be too marketing E about it, but I think that's one of the values that EY studios brings to the table is we have that experience of, you know, seeing the different kinds of feedback that, that are caused, uh, through these tools and through Search Console and knowing, you know, hey, this is a red alert versus I, I wouldn't put money and energy into this. Right, um, right. Yeah, I think that discernment is is really valuable, especially to merchants who just see, you know, a, a bad test score or a, you know, a, 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 a red line item on a Google report and, and think, oh, oh, no, you know, how much money is this going to lose me? I think that's a perfectly reasonable reaction to have, but it's got to be tempered with some, some, some knowledge and understanding. No, absolutely. And like you said, I, I think that that's the balance we bring. You know, we always think about what an actual human being is going to do, but you have to reconcile how Google is going to react as well, whether it's it's content uh, that's on the page. But, I see, Phil, we, we see that a good bit uh, in terms of what do I got to do to make Google happy? But sometimes they're doing this at the expense of that user experience. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and it's funny because, you know, one of the things that Google has said over and over and over again is don't make us happy, make your visitors happy. Right. right. Like that's I think that's the whole point of of the core web vitals is, you know, this is just a good core experience. This is the expectation that visitors have when they hit your page, that it's going to load quickly, that I'll be able to interact with it, that things aren't going to be moving around and I'm not going to get a bunch of pop ups. I think they're really just trying to um you know, create uh, best practices, and I mean, I guess one of the one of the positive things of sort of having a monopoly in the search space is they can kind of use their bully pulpit to force webmasters and uh, web designers and e- e-commerce companies and everybody to conform to um, you know what they kind of envision as best practices. I think the challenge there is you have kind of one company deciding you know, um, what a good experience on the web is. Um, fortunately so far from what I've seen there, they've been pretty fair, um, in terms of, uh, you know, making decisions that I can agree with, (laughs) um, you know, it, it, it's, it, they're being very careful. I was listening to a podcast with with some Google employees where they were talking about Core Web Vitals, and you know they're very cognizant of the power that they have, um, and trying to be fair in in what the metrics are that they establish. That's why these Core Web Vitals, for example, are such overarching concepts. Um, like you know, don't <laughs> uh, don't make things move around on the page without my input or expectation, you know, I think that's something that is totally fair to expect, uh, you know, a website to do. It'll be interesting to see how the technology continues to evolve and enable, um, you know, Google to kind of algorithmically um, emulate visitor behavior. Um, I think that that technology is only going to get better. And I think in turn, um, it'll really force uh, webmasters to make sure that they're giving visitors the best experience possible. Right. So, Phil, you know, you, we've talked about the perspective of folks that already have a website and they're looking at um, how all of this affects them right now. What advice would you give to a merchant that's considering 
uh, replatform a brand new site to, to factory and all this from the jump? How, how do you, how would you advise a merchant with that perspective? Yeah, I think replatforming is a really good opportunity to kind of break things down to the foundation, right, of the site. Um, and over time, you know, if you're on any platform, um, there's a tendency to just kind of add functionality um, and, uh, you know, kind of stack uh, features on top of each other. Maybe there's a bunch of code in there that, you know, you used a while back for something that you don't use anymore, but the code's still in there. I feel like it, it replatforming is a really good opportunity to kind of break it down and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to go from, you know, here's the conversion funnel, <laughs> right? Homepage, product listing, product display, page, cart and checkout that's the that's the funnel that i want people to go through um what are the extra pieces here that are adding either page load time or um you know what's what's causing content to shift around on the page it's just a replatforming is a really good time to reevaluate all those choices um and maybe cut down on the the amount of extra stuff right it's one of the reasons that we um you know talk a lot about, uh, I guess what you would call like store-bought themes uh, on these different platforms. Um, you know, they might be really cheap, but they come preloaded with all of this, uh, you know, JavaScript libraries and, um, you know, content that's kind of specific to that theme. Um, but you know, it, it can end up loading quite a bit of, you know, stuff in the background that it's not really required and slowing the page down a bit. Um, it, it, it's it, it's definitely something to keep in mind as you're replatforming. What are the opportunities to give my customer a better experience? And I, I'd probably, if I was looking at replatforming, one of the first things I would do is go through my current site with fresh eyes. You know, maybe recruit a family member or um, somebody just to just to shop as a shopper and to tell them, have them tell you, being completely transparent. Hey, I need fresh eyes on this what is annoying to you about this site, you know? Um, and, and those are some things that you can kind of take on priority as you look at rebuilding it. Right. No, that's good information, Phil. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I know a lot of people are, are curious what this all means right now and they want to stay ahead of the curve. So Phil, thank you for, for bringing that information. That's always helpful, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, like I said, I think it'll be interesting to see how, um, what, what, additional beacons Google adds to core web vitals over time. What's coming. Um, as the, as the technology continues to improve. Absolutely. Um, well, Emily, I think we made it okay without Jay. What do you think? I think we survived. Phil definitely yeah. carried us with his vast knowledge and intellect, which absolutely. I very greatly appreciate. So hopefully, uh, Jay will come back. So Jay, uh, they have a new addition to the family. They got Jeb Brimberry. Uh, that's uh, I think it's the fourth, right? It's the so Jay's the third in the line, and mm -hmm. so uh, we we've got Jeb is is the fourth. He's carrying the legacy, Phil. That's that's awesome. I I, I <laughs> I'm so I'm so happy for for him. Um, yeah. I, I he's a he's a great father, and I, I think it's going to be. Uh, Children are, are not part of my planned future, um, but I, <laughs> I, I love, I love um, to see you know families expanding, and well, it, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. No, you're right. Jay's a great guy. Uh, he's married to a wonderful woman, and they just they have a great family. And Jay brings a lot to, of course, our studio, and 
and we're kind of in and out. So what, what we're going to try and do, I think, Emily, going forward is whoever's around at EY, right? If I'm gone, if Jay's gone, whatever, we'll, we'll still keep going with the podcast. And we appreciate everybody uh, listening and tuning in uh, to what we're doing here at the Southern Fried e-commerce podcast. So, Emily, for those that, uh, that are enjoying what we're doing here, want to spread the word, how do they do that? Absolutely. So give us a like, give us a share. We are available to stream anywhere podcasts can be streamed. I think what's super great about us is not only just Phil, but every person in our team has a vast intellect in the e-commerce space. We are always trying to share our knowledge and, you know, sometimes just talk about cons and dirty cars. (laughs) We're always open to having any conversation. Right, exactly. But, uh, Emily, Phil, thank you for joining me on the podcast. been a lot of fun. and appreciate you guys uh, tuning in to listen to what we have to say. And we'll see you next time on the Southern Fried e-commerce podcast. My name is Eric Young. See you then. <laughs>